0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Years ago, when it was still fashionable, not sure if it is or not, I haven't received a lot of them, but you all remember family Christmas letters, right? Where you'd send something out and talk about all the kids. My parents would always do that. And one year, my dad got a little bit cute and thought he would describe each child by using an adjective. Four kids in my family. So it was Regal Rick, Bouncy Beth, King Carl, and Jovial John. I thought I'd try that a little bit with the holy family and see how that works out for us today. Meek Mary. Just, Joseph. Zealous, Zachariah. Eager, Elizabeth. Jesus, I'm not going to try to do that. And then we have joyous or jovial John the Baptist. How does that sit with you? Joy is not what we often associate with John the Baptist. He is a fiery preacher of repentance. Most pictures show John very serious and stern. I had to look long and hard to find that picture that's on the front of your bulletin cover today, the picture of Jesus and John smiling. I'm going to stick to my guns. John the Baptist, the prophet of joy. Even though his father, Zachariah, at first doubted the message of the angel Gabriel, that he and Elizabeth were going to have a son, when John finally was born, he and Elizabeth were filled with joy. The first time that we meet John in the scriptures, what is he doing? He leaps for joy in his mother's womb at the hearing of the voice of the mother of his God. When later John points to Jesus and proclaims, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, how do you think he said it? All serious and somber? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Or jumping up and down for joy, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And even when he preached repentance, can't that be joyful too? We say that very thing actually in our liturgy for today. You'll notice in the prayer before Holy Communion, that we pray that with repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by Jesus. Not that repenting in and of itself is joyful. I mean, who wants to confess that we're poor, miserable, wretched sinners? But that you repent in order to hear the words spoken by the Lamb of God to you. I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Words that fill us with joy. And they do. When spoken by your pastor, when spoken from one spouse to another, when spoken between a parent or a child, or when spoken between friends, I forgive you means that that which was between us, that which separated us and divided us, is all gone. We're good. Those are joyful words, both to the guilty, the one who caused the problem, and the one able to speak those words. Those are gift words, really. I mean, think about it. Life is exhausting without those words always having to make up for your mistakes, always trying to get on someone's good side, always trying to prove yourself, and not only with one another, but also with God. So what joy, what relief these words, I forgive you, are. And that's why John was baptizing, to give this joy. We heard that last week, that his was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's why the priests and the Levites came from Jerusalem. They came out and confronted him, as we heard today. If he was just getting people to confess their sins and then pouring a little water over them, well, that's no big deal, but a baptism for the forgiveness of sins? Who in the world do you think you are, John? Because you can't just forgive people, John. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that sinners need to prove themselves first, to clean themselves up first, to stop sinning first, and to get better. Then they can be forgiven. But for you, John, all they do is repent. It doesn't work that way. But this is exactly how forgiveness works. This is what brings us such great joy, because forgiveness is a gift, undeserved and unearned. Because of the one greater than John who came and earned it for us. The Lamb of God, Jesus, who laid his perfect, sinless life down for all imperfect, sinful lives. Who took all of our punishment and wrath that we deserve. And in return said, Father, forgive them. Now if there's any joyless place on earth, it would be the cross, right? But forgiveness even changes the cross. For in the book of Hebrews, we hear that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Not that hanging on the cross was a joyful thing, but why he was there and what he was accomplishing. And because of that joy, the joy of forgiving your sins, he hung there and endured it for you. For you to receive that gift and that joy from him. And that's what Jesus is all about. And that's why there's joy all around Jesus all the time. Did you ever notice that? The angels rejoiced at his birth. The shepherds rejoiced. The wise men rejoiced at his birth. Simeon and Anna, when he was brought into the temple at 40 days old, rejoiced. Sinners, outcasts, lepers, tax collectors, all rejoice in his forgiveness. And so too, John the Baptist. His is the most joyous task of making straight paths for the way of Jesus. For that is the way the Lord is, the way of joy given in forgiveness. And it's been that way from the very beginning. For after the very first sin of Adam and Eve, what did God do? He promised a Savior. Do you think that Adam and Eve might have just jumped up and down a little bit for joy that day? For God didn't utterly reject them or destroy them, but instead promised to come and undo what they did. Now, there were consequences for their sins, to be sure. They messed up. There are consequences for our sins, too. But to make it right is not on you, but on another. They'd have to wait a long time for Jesus to come, trusting the promises of his word that he would and he did when the time was just right. And the joy of announcing that, proclaiming that, and preparing the way for Jesus gave John great joy. And what John did, you now do too. When people ask you who you are, you tell them a name. This morning, that's quite a name. Evelyn Lynn Nye Leona Brandt. Beautiful name that you have given to her. It tells a lot about her. We all will tell our names too, who we are. And then we'll also tell them about our vocations. I'm a pastor and a father and a grandfather, a brother, a son. But you truly are who you are, will and be forever is by the word of God. You are a baptized child of God. Avalyn, nay, Leona, she's your child for a little bit. She's God's child for all eternity. Doesn't that bring you good joy? It does. She is God's child, stamped with the cross upon her forehead and upon her heart. She is Jesus' child, and nothing can ever separate that love of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, she cried a little bit today. That's okay. The devil was going out of her. (laughs) Jesus was being brought in to give her that joy. And that's why St. Paul could advise us today, as we heard in his letter to the Thessalonians, to rejoice always. And I'm sure you kind of scratch your head and and wonder, well, how do I do that? How do you rejoice when life is tough, when the difficulties are around us, when the plans you made for your life aren't working out, when the doctor comes in and gives you bad news, when the world seems to keep plunging to deeper and deeper into sin and against God? when the future is uncertain, and you can fill in the blank. What do we do at such times like that? Rejoice always? It seems like a pious platitude. It's like someone telling you to be happy. Smile when that's the last thing you feel like doing. No, you cannot always rejoice at what's happening in the world and in the own circumstances of our life, but you can always rejoice in who you are and whose you are a forgiven child of God. And you can rejoice in that, and it's true in good times, and bad times, at all the time, that the gifts and promises of God given to us, he never takes back. They're yours for keeps. It's his joy to give them to you, a joy that can get you through all the difficult times, too. And so th- today, we light that rose-colored candle on the advent wreath, the joy candle, Because while Advent is a season of repentance, it's also a season of joy. The joy of Jesus coming into the world. We're almost there to Christmas. I don't know if you you were a child, like when I was a child, I counted down those days. Well, kids, we're one week closer to Christmas. It's a great joy that day. But we also recognize that at his second coming is also closer. And even greater will be our joy on that last day. When all the promises that he made to us in baptism will be finally and fully fulfilled and we will rise again to new life in heaven, freed from sin, freed from death, to live forever in his joyous righteousness. That was John's joy. That's your joy too. So rejoice always. We rejoice when we hear these words of repentance. We rejoice when we come and kneel and receive his body and blood. The body and blood from the manger to the cross to the open tomb to your mouth and mine. And we pray that what goes in may also go out. That is, that we forgive one another. So that wherever you are, even out in the wilderness like John... Your life could be in a rough place right now, but remember who you are and whose you are. A baptized child of God. And that joy gives us strength. Not just today, but every day. Because it's true every day. The Lord's Christmas gift to you. And so may you be like John. Be filled with the joy of the Lord. For he is your strength. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guide your hearts and minds through faith to Christ Jesus, to life everlasting. Amen.